welcome. Hello. You are listening to <laughs> Shuffle Buddies, and my name is Chris Heine. And I'm Casey. And? <laughs> no last name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just never say my last name because it's so hard to say my first and last name together. That... It's so annoying because the, the last three letters of my first name are the first three letters <laughs> of my last name. So it's K.C. Seekman. It just doesn't flow like Chris Heine. Oh, that's the most beautiful and eloquent name of all. Hi. Hi. How's it going? It's good. It is a new year. We're recording yeah. on, is it the third? It's January 3rd. Third. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah, have. back to work on the fourth. I've been in hibernation since the, 20 the 23rd or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, playing lots of games, taking lots of naps. And <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, but now we're back to record. It feels like it's been a long time because we recorded them week to week for a while until we kind of got up to schedule. So yeah, and I think we released our Christmas one a little, or like the one before Christmas, we right. released a little bit early so it wouldn't be released right on the holiday yep. or right after the holiday. So yeah, it's, it feels weird. <laughs> it's been a little while. Yeah, but what have you been doing with your time over the break? I've been working, just working on curriculum stuff mainly. So it was low key. Luckily, it was still very chill. So I kind of slept in until like right at nine o'clock and then went to work, quote unquote. But I didn't have to like see anybody. I just was doing like computer work. So yeah. it was kind of nice. It was low key and um, that was good. Taking Evie for lots of walks, using the bike up here a lot. I'm just oh, yeah. trying to like stay a little active because <laughs> I ate everything over the holidays. Yes. I haven't done a whole lot. It's been really nice. I've been watching shows and reading and Yeah, what have you been watching? Stuff. What have I been watching? I finally watched The Queen's Gambit. Well, I watched every episode up until the last episode. I still haven't watched <laughs> the last episode of The Queen's Gambit. Are you just saving it? I don't know. I think I binged it super hardcore and then I was like, nah. and I needed a break from it and I just haven't gone back to watch that last episode. But it was really good. <laughs> I very much enjoy it. And I like that era. It's like in the 50s, 60s kind of era. Mm -hmm. um, and it, every when I was watching it, I just made me think of my mom. My mom had like the same hairstyle, I think, that she had when she was little and uh, grew up right around the same time. So it was, it was good. It was intense. But That's I really like it. I haven't watched it yet, but just because I have a natural... I don't hate chess, but I also do not think it's the amazing game that everyone else you does. You don't like it. I don't love it. <laughs> um, so I, th I think that's probably what has kept me from it, but I probably should just... I mean, it's like one yeah. of those things, like you don't have to love, be in love with chess to love that's it, That's exactly it. Yeah. Because I really could give two shits about, <laughs> about <laughs> chess. Yeah. I really don't care. Um, but I knew it was going to be a show that wasn't just about chess, but based around chess. That right. was what was giving the the intensity. Which is so funny that they made it, it's chess, and they made it so intense. You're just like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? I've also been watching, because that was kind of heavy. I had heard of this show, and I'd actually watched a few clips of it back in, way back in the day, but there was no way for me to watch it, because it was another Canadian show, and it wasn't available on any of the streaming services. Yeah. So, uh, but someone let me know that it was on Hulu, so I've been watching a lot of Letterkenny. Yes, you have. <laughs> And I've been watching that along it's with so you. It's so stupid. It is <laughs> but stupid. But it's so good. It is stupid. It's funny because I have watched a lot of it, and I, but I haven't watched it episode to episode. So I'm kind right. of like, is there an overarching plot, or is it just kind of like a series of dumb asides that It's mostly kind of funny? dumb asides, but there are some linear storylines that continue through. Mm -hmm. uh, but for the most part, it's just like, 
here's an episode where they throw a St. Patrick's Day dance in the egg hall. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and everything based around that. But it's just like, it's so dumb. It kind of reminds me of uh, Gilmore Girls for small town Canadians. I can see that. There's mm-hmm. so much talking. It's really entertaining. Yeah. But I'm just like, what is this show? <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird, but I do like it. Like the bigger guy, Dan, I think his name is, <laughs> it's just like random weird stuff that pops up. He is taking like a women's study class, <laughs> women's <laughs> studies class. And, you know, like always stands up for like women's rights and stuff. And they take on social issues and it's very interesting. And they're, I mean, it's like sometimes a politically incorrect show, but sometimes very like correct yes it reminds me a little bit of maybe it's a canadian television show thing but it reminds me a little bit of schitt's creek where it's kind of a an overwhelmingly positive vibe of uh everyone is very like accepting and and like loving of each other and and so it's just like very forward thinking in terms of a lot of the the ways that they deal with issues but then it's also kind of about this like rural town that what you'd expect stereotypical i should say yeah and there's definitely like animosity but it's not because of the group that you belong to or orientation or what your hobbies are or anything like that. It's just like if they don't like you, it's just like they just don't they don't like your personality. <laughs> but it's not because of like who you are or what group you belong to. It's like, yeah, yeah they care less about that. Yeah. But it's just like, no, I just don't like you. <laughs> Which is uh it's so nice. Yeah. It also has that thing where people just get in fights all the time and it's just kind of like a good fun thing to do. It's not really consequential. Yeah. Which I'm always like, I've been in a couple fights in my life and I've it You were in a fight club? I was in a fight. I guess, are you not supposed to talk about it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I was, in, I was in some real fights as well and, and like even thinking of this day and they were like, I mean, at this point, so many years ago, mm-hmm. it like still makes me sick to my stomach a little bit. Ugh. The thought of like fighting for fun or just like casually having a fight. Yeah. That's kind of like how it started off was uh, the main character trying to be the tough guy in town again. He had to fight everybody else <laughs> that were like the reigning tough guys in town. Is that how the show starts? That was one of the earliest plot lines. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I need to see that one because that probably would give context to why he's always up for a fight. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I've been watching. And then when, uh, so we went up to my parents' house for a little bit, kind of central Minnesota. I started reading String Theory by David Foster Wallace. Which is not not the String Theory you think. think. It's like tennis. It's a tennis string theory. <laughs> so uh, the the front of the book is like green and kind of looks like a tennis court. It has a tennis racket on it and it says string theory. So I saw one of the reviews I saw for this book was like, yeah, it'll make you look really smart if you're reading it on the bus. But it has nothing to do with like <laughs> string theory, like the physics like, yeah. or anything like that. It's all about tennis. And basically, I remember this, but I always forget that David Foster Wallace is a huge or was a huge tennis fan yeah. and tennis player. And I just think that's such an interesting combination. He used to write these really fantastic articles about tennis. And I read the one on, oh my gosh, Roger Federer. And it was a really fantastic article on Roger Federer. And now I'm reading the article about him growing up in the Midwest as a as a tennis player. And it's really good so far. It's just five articles. Yeah. Uh, and it was just fun to read up there. Because I, I also brought it up there because I was going to give it to my dad since he's a big tennis player, after the I read the Roger Federer article, I just wanted to read that, and then I was going to lend it to him if he wanted it. But he had already read it. Which didn't like, surprise me, I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess I, it was surprised me because he's not a big book guy. Like, he doesn't read books for fun. Now, looking back, I think I do remember him having that book, which is maybe <laughs> why it looks so familiar. So I've been reading. That was just like a fun kind of aside. But the book I'm really into right now, and I feel like I've been talking a lot, and I'll let you take over next. <laughs> is The Library of the Unwritten. This book 
has it all. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, okay. It really does. It has heaven and hell and Valhalla and earth and libraries to really pump up the excitement, throw in some (laughs) libraries. No, but really this book has been super fun. I have it in my hands right now because I didn't want to forget who the author was. It's A.J. Hackwith. And when I was looking this up before, it sounds like it might be the first in a series. So I'm really excited about that because it's about this library of the unwritten, these unfinished books that authors on earth have just not been able to finish and they reside in this library in a neutral space in hell so Hmm. lucifer doesn't reside over this library it's always like a human that has died and gone to hell they are doomed to that's their hell job that's their hell job yep (laughs) they're not demons or they're not you know there to torture people or be tortured like that is their torture i think to to run this library so um Right now we're following this librarian on an adventure. And of course she has like a ragtag team of uh, a book that has woken up. And that's one thing that the librarian has to do is kind of keep track of all these books and make sure that they don't get restless because they want to be written and they start to wake up and they kind of take the form of one of their characters. Okay. I was about to ask. It's like, weird. Do they form? Because every time you explain, <laughs> you've explained it to me and I've kind of pictured like the bill from like schoolhouse rock just sitting around kind of like <laughs> he's just kind of sitting around like a sad sack bill or whatever and i was picturing these personified books but it's a, it's like a character from the book. yeah okay. yeah so it's super interesting so so she's accompanied by a hero from one of these books that woke up um and a demon that was like sent to her to basically t- help her with a task or something and she's basically taken him on uh, a muse that was kicked out of muse school <laughs> and now is going is like her apprentice to take over the library later um and they basically are searching for this like demon book like basically the devil's book Mm -hmm. they found a scrap of paper but at the same time heaven is also sending some angels to find this devil's book because they were the first ones to find the scrap of paper and they were like holy shit this exists let's go find out and so it kind of reminds me a little bit of good omens that series on prime i think it sounds right but it was really interesting um i mean like the 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 demon and the angel aren't teaming up but they are it is interesting to like to you know like each to hear those stories like overlap i guess because there's some of the the stuff they're talking about in heaven that i heard about on good omens and then like in hell and the same stuff there so it has been a pleasure. I feel like I've just been talking about this forever, but it is so good. I'm really enjoying it. Um, they just went to Valhalla to seek help from this storyteller that used to be a librarian, and that he served his time, and now he's residing in Valhalla. Um, it seems very they went like to a big party because there's a party every night, and oh. then it just kind of resets <laughs> the next day. People die, and then everybody just gets brought back to life because Valhalla is the place for like warriors. Yeah, warriors to the warriors heaven death yeah heaven battle for warriors yeah. yeah yeah and they get to keep warring and then they die because that's what they love doing and then they come back the next day to have a party and then and then sounds fight some really more fun. it's been really good i really i really enjoy it it sounds like it would be in the genre kind of that neil gaiman kind of like a lot of different yeah cultures or histories or, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. ideologies ideologies kind of like overlapping yeah. and, and playing with that so it sounds really fun i do like that those kind of books that are they are taking their facts or taking their story from like facts or from 
culture or from books that have already been written. Yeah, you like know, touchstones like, in reality or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kind of anchors it in reality. So I've, I've really enjoyed it. I am probably a little bit over halfway through and just kind of pick it up whenever I have a few free minutes. But the chapters are nice because it's like they're quick little bites, the mm-hmm. chapters, and each chapter is from the viewpoint of another character. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot going on, but they it's really easy to track. I really enjoy it. I'm excited for uh to see if it is a series and that there's a, hopefully a new one that comes out soon. I like it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of demons. Ooh, demons. Demons. I've been playing a video game that has demons in the title. Yeah, and it's not Demon Souls. It's not Demon <laughs> Souls. Yeah, in fact, it's very unexpected that I just happened upon and thought it was just really interesting looking. So I just downloaded it on a whim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's called Demons Tilt, colon, Occult Pinball action which are words that i didn't really think maybe went together but they, <laughs> it turns out they do um and it's the occult de- loves pinball yeah and it's just a it's just a pinball action demony kind of game but it's by this guy i think it's by a single person adam ferrando well we don't know his relationship status <laughs> <laughs> and they go by wizen war as kind of the developer name but i looked into it and i think it's just one person so nice. it's pretty cool that's it's pretty a, cool it's a little small that's production. quite the endeavor yeah, and I, I kind of like looked into it just a tiny bit before I bought it. And when I read PC Gamer's description of it, I had to buy it because they said it was an insane 80s metal album cover bullet hell pinball game. <laughs> Those are just like words <laughs> pulled out of a heavy metal hat. But they make perfect sense to me. So <laughs> yeah, totally. It's kind of like a spiritual successor to this old Genesis TurboGrafx-16 game called Devil's Crush, even though it has nothing. It's not made by the same people or anything, mm-hmm. but it's it's a hellish video pinball game so i guess that's as much as it can possibly be yeah but um and it actually is kind of like a small quaint little game into by today's standards because really it's one pinball table Mm -hmm. one kind of video pinball table but it's split into like three levels so there's sort of three tiers that each function is their own set of targets and challenges and and kind of like a pinball table but they all Mm -hmm. kind of string together into one pinball table so if you're up on the top and lose the ball and you kind of go into the second one Uh. and then down the third one but it's all just like one big 2d tower and then there's also even like side tables and things so it's it's pretty nuts the theme really spoke to me because throughout the whole table there's like demons and enemies you can defeat the whole thing kind of looks like this 80s 90s era 2d neon demon filled board of craziness and excitement demon rave yeah yeah and it looks like it it looks like it could have come out of like the mid 90s yeah but the graphics are still good enough that they hold up today so they're just done in a kind of a retro style but with a lot of modern technology so Mm -hmm. yeah um, like like the style is retro but the medium is modern yeah if that sounds interesting i definitely recommend just checking it out i think i got it on sale so it was like ten dollars or something and i think just for the amount of creativity and insanity that is happening. There's just like monsters to fight and they're shooting out rings of bullets and these like spread of bullets are affecting your pinball. It's just really even for the first couple plays, hard to tell what's going on, but there's a lot of really fun secrets to be had. And like you beat a cultist who's floating around in a cloak and then he becomes like an eldritch monster or there's like a nun and you do her rails or challenges and mm-hmm. she starts bleeding out of the eyes and then like <laughs> and then like turns into something else and goes crazy. So it just has so much style and it's yeah. just really worth playing. If if you're into really metal things, into being awesome. retro things, pinball things, I feel like it's a game. 
that you'll totally want to check out because yeah. I thought it was really fun. That's <laughs> awesome. Just and kind of dumb, but fun. Yeah, and if you yeah if you have a couple bills to spare, it's always good to help out an indie game developer. Yeah, throw throw a couple bucks at the little guy. Yeah. Well, we don't know how tall he is. <laughs> <laughs> he might be single and he might be short, but we don't know. <laughs> oh, one thing I did want to point out though. Yeah. And this was really weird, actually. Um, I was playing it. And I thought it was kind of unresponsive. It was almost indistinguishable. But when I pulled the trigger, it seemed like the the flippers were a little bit behind, mm. but not so much I could really say it. But I, I was kind of like, it kind of feels like that. And then my friend Ryan played and he also was kind of like, this feels kind of laggy. And I was like, oh, yeah. Huh. So we looked it up and on PC, somebody had said that. And then they flipped and they, you know, they did some PC crap that i don't really they changed their frame buffer limit or whatever i don't know and but you can't do that on playstation 5 so i was just like maybe it's just me and maybe it's just okay. how it feels but then i played it last night at your house yeah where I have, you have your ps4 i have my ps4 over here and it worked perfectly okay that's just what i was gonna say i was like is it a ps5 thing it is yeah and so it is technically a ps4 game but ps5 is backwards compatible but apparently in this case it's just not optimized right so it plays yeah like silk on ps4 but on ps5 like it, yeah on ps5 it felt a little not great well that's good to know because i think that probably has mass appeal right now because not it sounds like not everybody is as lucky as you yeah to have a ps5 yeah so if you're still sitting around with a ps4 like a chump <laughs> <laughs> you need some new games check out demon's tilt um cool well, have you been playing anything else or yeah what else have you been up to well we have been we were um playing a couple games and i introduced your family to pandemic oh my gosh which is just obviously <laughs> one of uh, the classic games and everyone should try pandemic if they haven't tried it and yeah. they hadn't so i was like you know this would be a great game to play with your family because they've never played it before and we broke it out and we almost won the first game i think yeah, we were probably like one move away from winning. And I was afraid we were because in cooperative games, I hate winning on the first try, <laughs> especially for a game like Pandemic, where I think if you play a cooperative game and you just win on mm -hmm. the first try, then you're just like, well, that was a fun exercise. Right. You know, it kind of is just like, well, that was like a little puzzle we did and we solved it. But if you lose, especially if it's close and you lose, you you can like taste that Ugh. victory that got away and you're kind of like oh we could do it better and you kind of like <laughs> it's a better arc i think and, and that's so, exactly what happened and that is thankfully exactly what happened although i was worried we were just going to beat it which is pandemic is really well balanced to kind of always make you feel good and then it just kind of ramps so out of close. control there's so many ways to lose <laughs> yeah and so we introduced that and it, it went over really well but i wasn't sure if it was because your dad i know is really competitive and yeah he, i didn't know if he would take to like a cooperative game that much and he didn't look like sometimes you can instantly see where it clicks and he's like oh and he starts like talking about making moves and all this kind of stuff and he didn't quite do that in the first game right then it was also really late so we went to bed and i was like oh maybe that didn't go over great but that's fine you know well no i think it actually because didn't we play it again right away uh -uh. no because then we woke up he said to <gasps> that's you that's right he was like you know what i've been you know he's like he's you know what i woke up about thinking it all about? night <laughs> pandemic yeah and he's like if we would have just done this one thing differently so then yeah he went from being like i don't even know if he likes it to be he, he was like we have to play this again yeah because i think kind it. of at the end too he was like i think i get this yeah. like that's basically what i think about for all first plays of a game it's just like a basically a learning thing and then at the end of that first game i think things started clicking for him and yeah. then he kept thinking about it and then yeah the next morning he was like okay 
I think here's what we have to do. We have to have all these different different angles. And so we did play it again yep. and again and again and again. And it, it basically became the only game we played for the most part. Because he just wanted time. to beat it. He, he was did. like, I can't, I cannot rest. <laughs> and we just kept losing by always. It got closer and closer where it was oh down to gosh. one. The next action would win the game. Yes. And we would and we'd be like, there's no way we can fail, but we'd fail to keep one thing into account or something. And then yep. it would happen and it would, we'd lose. And then yeah. eventually... We you... tried it with three people and then back to four people and then three people because sometimes my mom would sit out. Yep. And then finally at the end, I was like, I'm so sick of this. And I was like, <laughs> my mom was out. And I'm like, well, I'm out too. And then finally it was just the two of you that played. Yeah. And he really wanted to beat it. And we were about to like pack up and go home. But I was just like, all right, let's just me and you play <laughs> and we'll do two characters each because he wanted to do it like the way we had been playing it because he he was p- confident we could beat it that way yeah yeah and then we did and thankfully we did but it was also down to the wire where there was one it, we won on my character's turn and if that character's turn wouldn't have ended it we would have lost because there was no more cards to draw yeah. so it was as close as it could possibly be oh so anyway gosh, pandemic yeah. is a is a game that i don't pull out a lot because it's just i've played it so many times at this point but mm-hmm. It is always a winner. You know, there's so many games that I could recommend and play, but like when it comes down to it, if if somebody hasn't played a ton of games or they're just looking for a game that's great, I'm just like, get Pandemic. It was really good because you know what? The last several games of Pandemic that I've played have been the spinoffs, like Pandemic Legacy Mm -hmm. or what's the old timey one? Iberia. Yeah. That one was super tough. Or like the um the the plane one. Oh the the timer. Yeah, rapid response. Yeah. So those are the ones those are like the pandemics that I've played recently, especially the pandemic legacy. There's so much to keep track of in pandemic legacy Mm -hmm. that playing like just like the original pandemic was really nice because then I would always be like, Oh, do we have to do this and that and that? And it's like, Oh no, we don't have to. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have scars, we don't have we don't have to like keep what spoilers really yeah oh well spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) you know we don't have to like build walls or yeah do that all that other stuff you know Um, upkeep at the end of each game yeah and it was actually really nice it was just a nice straightforward cooperative game it was just fun to see my dad get super into it yeah so not a game that we played up there but i can't remember if we talked about this last time but you got me seven wonders i did yeah for christmas i got you seven wonders because you i love that game love that game yeah it's fun i don't own it that's a game i don't own yeah you actually gave it your copy away right I did. Yeah. Usually if I go on a vacation with my siblings or something and they really like a game, I'll just give it to them. And yeah. I'll just be like, you take it. I can get a new one if I really need it. And then it's a good way to just kind of keep my collection moving and making sure it gets It's played. nice. To, yeah. And then it's kind of nice, you know, people have it. You can play it. You don't have to buy a new copy. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of reduce, reuse and recycle. Yeah. And then also Seven Wonders is great because we play it online all the time now. Yeah. Which is really fantastic. But it was really fun to play it in person. So we played Seven Wonders a few times at my place. Now I'm thinking, did we I can't remember if we talked about this last time. But whatever. It's a great game. <laughs> I love it. It is a great game. <laughs> yeah. You know, Seven Wonders and Pandemic are just classic games that you can always mm-hmm. return to and I'm always playing the new hotness and you come back and play those games and you're like, these games are really good too. Just and so solid. Just, yeah, yeah. Just solid quality games. Yeah. So even though it's been a very low key couple of weeks, like I feel like we've done a lot, played a lot of games, yeah. watched a lot of TV, <laughs> read a lot of books. We have. And I've played a lot more that I will probably save. Although I will talk about one more. Mm-hmm. And this is a new game that's pretty hot 
pretty hot on the Ooh, scene right now. So hot. Yeah. And it's called Bonfire. And it's the new game by... It's literally hot. It's literally hot, yeah. <laughs> but it's the new game by Stefan Feld, who is just a pro- prolific and classic designer. He designed some of my favorite games, like Castles of Burgundy, which mm-hmm. is just an amazing mm-hmm. yeah, an amazing game for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bonfire is his new game, and uh, it's a lot bigger and a little bit more going on than some of his other ones, although he do- has definitely designed big ones like this before, but it's kind of a return to those bigger ones. Mm-hmm. So in Bonfire, the titular bonfires have gone out and although you're just a village of gnomes it's up to you to go on a quest to relight the bonfires uh, of the once great city for uh reasons for reasons yeah that become apparent they do uh i don't know if they do become apparent uh just for reasons just for reasons because it's a game because (laughs) it's a game and you have that's how you play the game yeah uh and so like during the game you travel around to islands on the board getting help from these powerful guardians and you recruit more gnomes to help you and build a processional to the bonfire and do like little puzzles it's kind of hard to explain because it's not really a theme okay (laughs) kind of it's it all is a theme but the theme is just funny because i literally have kind of no idea what it is but i tried to i tried to set the scene for you so you'd kind of get a little bit of understanding it does have like nice art but the theme itself i'm just like i have no idea what any of this means really but that's okay so like the game itself it kind of has like a a shared board where you sail around to different islands and make offerings it's got like a council that you report to and it grants you different bonuses and then there's gnome cards that you can recruit and get permanent abilities or um, end game scoring conditions and i think what's interesting about it is the game is like fueled by an economy of action tiles and for every action you want to do, you need to spend a tile of that type of action to get the action resources. It's like a little puzzle mini game on each player's player board. And there's a little Tetris puzzle. And whenever you add a new piece to this puzzle, if you make a combo, you get bonus tiles. Mm-hmm. Again, there's no real reason that happens. It just is like rewards making the best of what you have, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um so it's kind of this game that contains a lot of like linked little mini games and systems where you're doing a puzzle over here and then you're getting rich or resources over here and you're lighting bonfires over here and then you're lining people up to walk in front of the bonfires. I could tell you everything that happens. I can tell you it's really fun and satisfying to do these puzzles, but like the theme actually makes it a little bit harder to explain because you're just like it's gnomes and they're doing these things um i don't know if there is a better theme yeah maybe he just wanted to just draw some cool bonfires yeah and some gnomes and was like well you know i'll make it work i think actually that is a fair point because i think in a lot of the cases it's been things like building a castle or building an estate and maybe they did just want to shy away from the eurocentric Mm-hmm. like themes or the a little more whimsical a little bit more whimsical they don't want you know just like a colonialization theme for the sake of having one. Oh yeah so yeah. that could be actually kind of the shift from like some of those traditional euro games now that i think about it so that's pretty cool yeah yeah if that's the case i, I do like that yeah. yeah it's really nice art yeah it looked very nice i didn't play but i did walk by the table whilst you were playing or would wake up to see it on the table it did look <laughs> very nice it looks a little bit busy 
and maybe we'll talk about this more, but I feel like games um, are designing in a way where they kind of look more complex than they are. Yeah, I think that lately. kind of relates to the game we're about to review. Yeah, so let's get into it. Yeah, let's just do this. Let's do it. We're going to talk today about the root, the, oh, I, I always forget the first word, the lost ruins of Arnak. Oh, they the lost, lost ruins. Yep. And the designer is Min and Elwyn which are two different people, and they're actually a designer couple who have made other games together, but they go by that mm-hmm. um, alias. Yeah. I mean, it might be their names. I'm not, <laughs> I don't know if it's a real <laughs> alias, but it doesn't have last names. They kind of do the Casey style where they don't include their last names. Yeah, it's a cool thing to do. It's published by Czech Games Edition, mm-hmm. um, which is a publisher that I really like. And it has a bunch of different artists. I am not even going to try to say their names, and this is bad because they're all Czechoslovakian. And my last name is Czechoslovakian. I guess these days it's not Czechoslovakian. It's Czech Republic. But Yeah, right. <laughs> so we should look it up. They're all amazing artists, but I can't say any of their names. And I don't even know how to begin on so some of them. So just Google the last runes of Arnak. I want to give them credit, but I feel like I would be doing them a disservice trying to say these <laughs> names. <laughs> Maybe on our, uh, on our Instagram we can list the names yeah. up for people. And so the lost runes of Arnak combines deck building and resource management and worker placement mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And each player is leading an expedition to explore an uninhabited island that was once home to a great civilization. Some lost ruins. Some lost ruins, yeah. <laughs> um, and during the game, the players are racing to gear up, discover lost artifacts, face guardian creatures, and log their research. Does that sound like what we did? Yes, okay. that does sound familiar. <laughs> so in the lost ruins of arnak (laughs) first i want to talk about the cards each card has two uses it can be used as a travel resource or it has an action that it provides when it's played and you can use the card for either or but not both and you start each round with two workers and you draw five cards from your personal draw deck and then each player just takes one action per turn until all players have passed and that is what consists of a round the actions are pretty straightforward you can play a card for its action You can visit a dig site. There are worker placement spots that you can visit and you pay for travel to get there. And that's a little bit different than a lot of worker placement games where you just put your worker out on the board. Mm -hmm. In this case, you pay the travel cost and then you go to those locations. You can also discover a new location. The game starts with just five locations you can go to, but you can discover more during the game and you just have to pay for the travel and go to a spot on the board, but it's blank. In addition to that, you have to pay a exploration cost of these like compass resources Mm -hmm. and when you go there you draw a new location tile place it down you immediately receive the resources but a guardian creature is drawn from a stack and added to that location which if it's not defeated gives you a penalty at the end of the round the next thing you can do is overcome a guardian which the guardians are really straightforward you just pay for the resources listed on the guardian and you collect it and it's worth five points at the end of the game as well as offering a small one-time bonus You can buy cards, and there's two types of cards. One costs the compass resource. The other costs the money resource. Um, And when you buy them, you get to add them to your deck and use them for the rest of the game. You can research, which there's a research track running along the side of the board. And you have two tokens, a magnifying glass and a journal. And you can progress up this track with one of the two tokens. You just pay a small fee and you move up the track. Every level of the track offers you a little bonus. But the main reason of progressing up a track is wherever you are at the end of the game, you score that many points. So the higher up the track you get, the more points you get at the end of the game. 
The last thing you can do is pass, and when you pass, you're just done, and the other players can take as many actions as they want until everyone passes, and then it's the end of the round. Once it's the end of the round, you take back all your workers, you shuffle all the cards you played that round and add them to the bottom of your deck, and you draw five new cards for the next round. The game is played over the course of five rounds, and at the end of the five rounds, whoever has the most points wins. Mm -hmm. And points are gathered from moving up the research track, from cards you bought, and from defeating monsters. And then also you get points when you uh, uncover a new dig. That's true. Like a new area. You get like a little three-point token. Yep, yep. Every time you discover a new site, yeah. travel to a new place, there's basically a, a one-time bonus that awards you three points and a little bonus action too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is The Lost Ruins of Arnak. Yeah. I think the first thing that I would say about Lost Ruins of Arnak is just when you see it on the table, it definitely yeah. has... It's intimidating. A, it has a large footprint. Yeah. With a lot of artwork it's and a lot, lot of icons. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to look at. It looks like it's going to be way more complicated than it is. Right, which is what we were just saying about Bonfire. Yep. This game looks bigger and more busy than I think it really is. Yeah. Um, but that being said, the table presence is really nice and high quality the artwork like i said for those unknown artists <laughs> is really beautiful and the resources are all like oh yeah like the little tablets or the arrowheads or the rubies yeah they're all like these Very dimensional nice. artifacts i guess i would call them a lot of thought went into the theme and the presence of the game it is very nice like very high quality and upon first glance it looks a little bit busy it's a bit much to take in because it's like there's the resources down at the bottom and then there's the uh the dig sites that are currently available to get to by walking with your boots and then there's like another row of sites that haven't been dug and then another row of sites that haven't been dug and then all of the resource cards at the very top and then there's like that one track on the right hand side which is like the, the, the research, research track, track. Yeah. yeah and so at first it is just like oh my gosh this is a lot to take in but honestly like and I don't know if this is just because like I've been learning a lot of games and so I think I'm just getting better at learning games but once you started explaining it like it just made sense like yeah. this was one where i didn't even feel like my first game needed to be a learning game before you were even telling me stuff i was just looking at the the cheat sheet mm -hmm. um and i was like oh okay i know how to do this this yeah. makes sense i don't even think it is that you are i mean i think it helps obviously that you're you know you have a lot of experience with all these different games but it is like a really straightforward game and and it looks like a lot, but everything makes a lot of sense. Like you you go to a location and you pay a travel cost because this location is closer or this location is further or, you know, you're researching up this track. And when I didn't say this, but when you move the research up the track, you move a magnifying glass first mm -hmm. and then you have to move the journal and people might think that will be hard to remember. But then I just say like you have to research something before you can write it down. Mm -hmm. So move yeah. the magnifying first and then move the journal so I think it just does a really good job of helping you learn the game. I just think it's really big as well. Like it's big. With two players at your normal-sized dining table, we were still being pushed off the table slightly. Like yeah. The board feels like it's 30% larger than I think it needs to be. I could see that. It's definitely spacious. Yeah. Are there cards that are not on the board? There is nothing that sits off the board, okay. although that entire display of resources and the decks of different locations and monsters that you draw from, yeah, that is a sideboard. It's an attachment 
And oh. so you don't have to play with that. Gotcha. So you could take that part off, which would save you a good um, six or eight inches off the bottom of the board. Yeah. So the game combines deck building mm-hmm. with worker placement. Mm-hmm. And I would also say it is largely just a resource management game where you're it's a recipe fulfillment game, kind of, where you're basically Ugh, yeah. collecting resources to either pay for certain combinations of resources to move up this research track or your pain to beat monsters, which are just simple recipes. Like a monster will cost mm-hmm. a compass, an arrow, and a ruby to beat or something like that. So there's no dice rolls. There's no truly thematic combat or anything happening. You're just no, saying like, do no. I have the resources to do this? I do. Okay. I did it. And now I get the points for it. And uh, so, <laughs> We've only played, or I've only played this twice and I kicked butt the first time. My very yeah. first game, I came out swinging. And then the second game, I could just not get rolling Mm -hmm. like uh so it makes me think i don't know if engine there's little tiny essence of an engine yeah i mean i think deck building is a type of engine building because in the deck building game your engine is your deck yeah well then and then plus when you move your book up the research track um the book gets you like extra workers they get you assistance. Assistance. Yes. Not workers. That's right. Because we're doing worker placement yeah. as well. So yeah, you get like assistance and you get to pull these assistant cards to put on, you know, in your little tableau in front of you. Um, and then the further you go up with the book, then you can turn them to like their gold side and you get better yeah. uh, rewards for tapping them. Tapping dead. No. Nope. Not going to do it. <laughs> uh, but the assistants give you small one-time bonuses of collecting a couple resources or... Mm-hmm. Um, using a travel icon without having to spend a card or yeah and i feel like i had a really good assistant the first game that would get me these arrows mm-hmm. and because you needed arrows for like so many things that was your downfall the second game oh you were like swearing God. about not being able to get any arrows it could never get enough arrows and i had to use you only get two workers and i was using one worker like every single round to go to the basic dig site to get one arrow mm-hmm. and oh my god it was just it was i don't know how you had so many arrows like i just could not get the cards i couldn't get the assistant like i could just not and arrows i needed arrows to move up on the research track yeah like man that last game <laughs> sucked well <laughs> <laughs> it was rough i mean i think and you were killing it on that game too. i was you were just like so let's talk about that for a yeah. second because I had I've had a couple rough games and I've had a couple really good games. I've mm-hmm. played it a few more times than you. I played it with other people. I played it with Ryan and I played it solo because there's a solo mode and I played it solo several times before I even taught anyone else. So I have had a little bit more experience, but that first game that I played with you, I was struggling and yeah. I couldn't get it things awesome. done and I just <laughs> didn't have any synergies going on. Um, And I kind of thought in a previous game that I had unlocked the secret of this game. That one card, right? Well, I I do have a card that I always buy that I always love, although I rarely win. So it is not not a secret. (laughs) It is not a silver bullet or anything. But the other thing is card draw. And that is buy cards and take actions that allow you to draw more cards from your deck. Which, of course, the more cards you play, the more things you can do. And that should, I thought lead to victory although when i did have amazing card draw when i was playing with ryan i was able to draw through my entire deck on a turn oh wow but i still lost (laughs) so although i felt like i was being amazing and efficient um in the end it didn't win me the game Mm -hmm. but 
on that game that I played with you, I did just pick the right cards. And I got a few lucky draws where I got a good, really good hand. Oh, the one that you beat me. That one that I beat yes. you, yeah. I got a few really good dr- card draws where I was just able to do a million things. The other thing that you're doing in this game is it's kind of a death by a thousand cuts of you move up the research track and you get a tiny bonus of like a coin mm-hmm. or a compass mm-hmm. or maybe sometimes if you're lucky, three compasses. If you're the first one to move up the research track, you get a small but important one-time bonus. So there's a little tile that's randomly put out along every spot on the research track that rewards you with small things that are just like (laughs) one coin or one compass. I'm just laughing because at the end of that second game... (laughs) I had a I stack had, of them. I had one of those. And I had you a had stack. the rest. Yeah. <laughs> and they seem small, but... They add up. In this type of Man. game, every single... You just need to... You're kind of coasting on fumes with your cards where you're, you think you're almost done. And you're like, I have like one card left. There's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. But if you really look and scrutinize, you're like, actually, if I move up on this track, that will give me this resource, which will let me do this yes. action which will let me get this card which will I can play immediately which will let me do these things and you will think you're done with a turn but when you if you sit there sometimes you're able to find another five or six actions there's lots of ways to make things work and that's what I was saying after my very first game I was like oh I really like this because there's so many ways to get something accomplished mm-hmm. like even with those little tiles that you gain um from uncovering a new dig site, you can use those one time yep. to you know get like a, a one time reward. Yeah. So for every one of those tiles, they're worth three points and they give you an immediate bonus. But there's also a four spot track on e- your player board that are worth points. And as you go through the game, you can move a relic up to those spots and cover up points. So you're costing yourself points at the end of the game, but you get an immediate one-time bonus Mm -hmm. of like six different things. And those things are, again, like getting a compass and a coin or drawing a card. It can be just enough to move you one more step up on the research track, or it can be just enough to defeat a monster or just enough to buy a card that will give you another action that you can play right away. Like there are just like so many little things where you're just like, you have just enough to do one more thing. And then the one thing you do gets you one more resource that can just let you do one other thing. And so I loved how strategic you could be playing those in the correct order to make sure that you could just do as much as possible. But and the second game, I just couldn't do anything. I, I will say when I first started, you only have two workers, which you can send out each once. And you have five cards. And in the beginning of the game, especially, you start a, de- a pre-built deck of six cards. Two of those are these fear cards that are bad cards. They don't really do anything. They have a boot. So you can go to the closest locations on the board, but that's it. So like the the worst locations on the board. They also are worth negative points. And so in your first hand of the game it's possible to have two workers and draw two fear cards and Mm -hmm. so you'd have three okay cards and then two kind of worthless cards um and so when i first played the first couple times i just felt like there were so many things to do there were so many monsters to beat there's so many locations to explore there's so many spots on the research track to move up that i was just like i had the feeling of just like there's there's so much to do and i feel like i'm not doing anything like I feel like I'm barely making a move and it is one of those games where your first turns are incredibly small compared to your final turn and Mm -hmm. there's only five turns in the game so or five rounds in the game so that's definitely how I felt it definitely escalates like that second game that's how I felt I just felt stagnant 
I just felt like I was making moves and I was getting so little in return. Mm -hmm. I was not making money moves. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it just like it pained me so much that I was using that worker every time to get one freaking arrow. I still look back and I am so mad about it because I just could. I was just like in mud. I could not. That is a good Move. feeling. Like when I first played the game, it felt like kind of being in mud. And I, and the the theme, we didn't even really talk about it. I mean, we did talk about how you're exploring this island and stuff, but it very much goes for a Indiana Jones kind of Tomb Raider adventuring vibe where it's like this island and, you know, with explorers holding torches and, mm-hmm. and like it's this lush jungle island and things like that. But I didn't feel like that because I felt like a very slow and stagnant not explorer i was just getting a few resources and turning them in the theme really kind of did not feel like yeah this big grand adventure right it felt like kind of the slog where i was like oh god i'm not getting anything done that was when i was playing it solo as well and the ai is pretty ruthlessly efficient and it was just kind of hard to be like okay i'm gonna do this one thing to collect one resource and then the ai is like and then the ai discovers a site and beats a monster and then i'm like oh my god okay (laughs) and so i think the ai turns were kind of making my turns feel even less significant yeah but as i played it more and i really figured out like you need to milk every last resource off the board and if you can get a tile that grants you one coin there is a way to put that coin to use in a good way. And that's mm-hmm. really how you like ride each turn to maximum amazingness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that second time I just had a lot of uh, like one of my assistants. And then I had a lot of cards that got me these tablets, which are useful. They can be mm-hmm. super useful. But usually using a tablet to pay for something, it's usually in addition to something else it's like you use an arrow and two tablets or it's a ruby and a tablet or Mm -hmm. it's something and a tablet so i had all these freaking tablets built up and that's like the only resource that would continue to come my way right and that was so frustrating and i'm just i just keep thinking about that (laughs) that second (laughs) game i had so much fun the first time and then that second one was so brutal i could just not it was just so hard. I could not get going. And my my assistants, because you have to, you choose your assistants. Basically, there's three piles of cards and you have to choose from the top cards that are showing. Right. So you have a choice of three. Right. And so they just, when I got them, they just weren't really great. And yeah, yeah totally changed the uh, the flow of the game and... And I think the the other thing about that game is my, I mean, I was I was almost feeling bad because my turns were oh like my gosh, soaring. Oh my gosh, your and so I would just I would pass and then you would be you would still be going for like another five minutes yeah like I would take another a lot of actions and so I kind of (laughs) felt bad because I was trying to go through them as fast as possible because I knew Casey would be like I pass and then I'd be like okay well I'm gonna fly over here and do this I'm gonna beat this monster and then (laughs) Then I'm gonna move up this track and watch you succeed and then I would get excited because I was like oh actually doing that means I can move up again and then I get this reward and it lets me draw a card and what's this card oh my god it's a really good card I'm gonna play it and so um and I'm I, just sitting there like waiting for his turn to be done right so I think with two players it's probably not a problem but I can see Ugh, I don't think it'd was... be a long game with four I don't know what the max is I think it's four but I don't think it'd be a crazy long game but if you had analysis paralysis prone people or yeah. you know people were just really firing on all cylinders it could be a while before especially if it's just like if it's just you are just having a rough game and someone else is having a badass game like real (laughs) good 
it kind of sucked. <laughs> it kind of sucked to just sit there. Yeah. And just think about how awful I was doing and see you just like rolling. Right. So that could be a problem. Although it was, it was a bummer. I wonder with more <laughs> plays if you, you know, maybe turns like that would be less likely because you kind of, I think like if, for instance, you had all those tablets, buying artifacts is the main reason I think tab, like I always wanted tablets because I did. Because yeah, to use the power on a, on a tablet card on or on an artifact, you need to turn in a tablet right. to use it and the artifact cards are very powerful compared to the item cards yeah but but i can never afford to buy any artifact <laughs> cards because right. i never had enough compasses wow oh it was the worst yeah uh the one thing i was wondering like since you've played this a lot more than me um is the higher up dig sites that mm -hmm. are harder to get to it takes like two boats to get there two cars got, to get yes. there plus six compasses right to, to discover them in the first place so yeah. it's very costly to get up there obviously the reward is a little bit better um i uncovered one mm -hmm. in that first game where i kicked butt yeah but nobody and, and that was it you didn't uncover one that first game and then neither of us uncovered went up there in the second game in your previous games did you see that that area got used more no, I don't think so. I think I did it's go up there at the end. It's a big chunk of the game. It's a big chunk of the board that just like didn't, we barely ever used it. I think in the second game I did make it up there, but it wasn't until very late in the game. Oh, maybe it was like I had already passed <laughs> yeah. and was done for the game and checked out. But I th I think that's exactly, I think there's four spots up mm -hmm. there and I would assume that everyone would probably get there once in a normal game. Mm -hmm. So, or maybe once. So at most... You know, if you were playing a four-player game, there's four spots because each player might push that far once. Okay. Um, and so I think in a normal game, I would I would I would expect that you know some people might focus really hard on the research track and race up that. Some people would f focus harder on gaining compass tokens and exploring further and discovering those sites. Yeah, and then defeating and the then monsters. defeating the monsters. The mon that, yeah, that was big for me in that first game. And so um, I would think that in a normal game, maybe with four players two or three would be uncovered and maybe four people were really pushing on that. So I think there's different ways you can kind of really push. So I think in a game where people are like really going for cards that give them compasses to explore further and things like that for a two player game, it doesn't seem odd to me that only one person would make it that far. Yeah. Because it, um, you it's know, tough. whatever, whatever your opponent's doing, you should do the opposite. So if you were in that first game, you were kind of exploring. So I was like, I'm just going to go up the research track didn't work out great for me, but because <laughs> <laughs> I also went up the yeah, research track. Yeah, in fact, you did, and you ended up doing it faster and beating me to the top spots. Yeah, but I think they are rare, and it's it's not okay. like a, a super common thing to get up that high, and it's a late game thing, I think, as well that would probably happen. Mm -hmm. That being said, that last game that we did, I kind of felt like I had nothing left to do. Like on my final turn, I was like, I'm at the top of the research track. I, and once I'm you already hit, once you hit the so top of the successful. research track, you can kind of go and claim these tiles that are just points. They don't give you any bonuses. They're just points. Mm -hmm. They cost a lot of resources. And I collected the two highest tiles. <laughs> and then I and I kind of was like looking and I'm like, I mean, I could go explore a new site, but I, I don't have any workers. So that's not going to be helpful or and I don't have any card, you know, so I kind of like ran out like I feel like I almost hit. And of course, this probably isn't true, but I did hit a peak yeah. where I was like, there's not a lot else I could do. And anything I could do from here out is just going to be like peanuts on top of my score. Like it might be a point here or there. Yeah, but, but you didn't need to. I mean, like I mean, you want to get the higher score that you can, but you already knew that you totally Right. So that is something me. that I kind of am like, how many times 
if I'm able to do that consistently and I don't, I'm not positive I am, mm -hmm. but if everyone got to the point where they were doing really good, it would be, it would be more of a race game. Cause it's, it, again, you'd want to claim like those first spots and everything yeah. like that. But it does feel a little bit more like once you figure out the most efficient way to do it, I don't know how many times I'd want to go back and do that. Cause I don't feel like there was that much discovery. Go back and do what? Just play the whole game again. Oh, play the game. Okay. Yeah, like go back and like do the exercise of playing through the game. Yeah. Um, one thing that I thought is for the theme being so adventurous and the art being so lush and evocative of this theme, mm -hmm. the theme itself is very simple. And it reminds me a little bit of a Splendor type game where you could really like reduce this game down to a series of icons where you're like you're collecting circle squares and and triangles and mm -hmm. turning them in for these and you know like the monsters for instance you're like oh my gosh it's a monster and then you're like this one needs an arrow and a ruby to beat and so it doesn't just feel like a, like a monster yeah it's like it's basically it's the same as it, beating a monster feels the same as moving up a re, the research track yeah it basically is the same mm -hmm. um or like yeah paying for a card or something yeah. like that and it's fun to to make a really good engine to build a really good deck to call cards out of your deck and you're like ha i'm getting rid of this fear card i'm never gonna have to draw that again and it's not gonna slow me down but i also think it is a it's almost it's not abstract but it almost is a little bit more abstract than even some of the other games we have played where i just kind of feel like i'm collecting these resources and for some reason these are the resources needed to defeat this monster uh i'm not sure how to explain it but does that kind of make sense i get that yeah defeating the monster it's not anything different mm -hmm. it's just called something different yeah. but it's exactly the same as doing everything else in the game i kind of like maybe you're getting at like i wish there was something a little different about defeating a monster mm -hmm. where it wasn't just paying i wish it was not just paying resources just like i do for everything else because then it's just like it just detracts from the other things that I want to do with those resources. Mm -hmm. I mean, it slows you down in other places, but I wish it was more of, yeah, like exciting, unknown, like, am I going to beat this monster or not? And it's like, oh, well, I have the resources, so I'm just going to beat this monster. Right. I guess the exciting part is when you discover a new location, you don't know what the location is going to be. That's and you don't the know exciting. The <laughs> that is exciting. Like I do like uncovering a new location to see what the reward is going to be. And like, that's then you exciting. draw the monster. Sometimes you're like, oh i have the resources to beat this monster that's mm -hmm. probably one of the luckiest parts of the game where you're just like oh, yeah, you draw I a monster that. and you're like oh i have that yeah and so it's not like a thing where you're like oh am i gonna do it it's either like i have those resources mm -hmm. or i don't yeah and like you drew ones one time that you were just like oh i don't have any of these left so i just can't beat this monster so i guess i just can't beat it and like all my workers were out and all everything it was basically you the end basically of my turn. Of turn and maybe yeah. that's like a problem with how you were playing and you shouldn't have done it right then because that's you true. weren't maybe I in a place where you could so maybe that's something to think about i guess but the drama of re revealing a new location is kind of exciting but again the locations are either like two compasses and an arrow or a ruby and an arrow <laughs> yeah and it's like and and one of the things is like there will always be a monster there Mm -hmm. You know, where I feel like if it was more thematic, it was like, is there going to be a monster and there or is there it not? And maybe it'd be like a clear day and you're like, no monster yeah, or something. Yeah, or it's like, yeah, maybe um, the fact that you get the resources before defeating the monster, like the monster isn't protecting the resources. He's yeah. just kind of there. Yeah. And I think whenever I teach somebody, and I've only taught a couple of people, but whenever I've taught them, yep. I have said, all right, and then a monster gets revealed Oh no, but don't worry too much about it because yeah, the, the penalty for be, not 
dealing with a monster is you go home and you take one fear card and add it to your deck, which yeah, is at not the end great. of the round. If at you the don't the defeat round. the monster by the end of the round, so you have multiple. If you are at the beginning of the round and you still have turns, you know, and you can collect the resources and then you can just like defeat the monster, then then you're fine. But yeah, if at the end of the round you're still you still have an undefeated monster at your location, you have to draw a fear card. Yeah, which is like. Negative a slap one in point. The wrist. And especially in the later rounds, you're not drawing cards anymore anyway, so who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you'd like to defeat the monster. Well, the one other negative about not defeating a monster in that round is that you're already there. That's true. Your worker is already at that dig site. You've uncovered the dig, you've gotten the resources, and now there's a monster there that if you defeat it, you get that monster card, you get five points, plus the little extra little bonus up in the... Which could be huge. Yeah. I mean, those bonuses are what they make can or break be. your turn sometimes. Yeah. But then if you go through the round and you don't defeat the monster, yeah, you get like the fear card, which is a bummer, but the, I think the the, the more... The bigger negative? The bigger negative would be that if you did want to go back and defeat that monster, you have to use another worker placement to get back there right. and those to just defeat that precious. monster. Yeah, you only have two workers. And it's like, yeah, you get like the uh, the reward from the dig site again. So whatever you uncovered that first time, you get that. But then, you know, and then you, you hopefully can defeat the monster. Right. But so, yeah, and there's no rule that says you have to go back and defeat it. So mm. Casey could uncover a monster, not be able to defeat it, yes. take her workers back in the round. And then for my first move on the next round, go to that site, beat that monster. And I'm like, ha I knew exactly points. what I needed. And yes. I get the five points, right. which is fine. I think with this game, it kind of just exemplifies that I kind of bought it being like, ooh, this looks like a rough and tumble adventure of Indiana Jones proportions where we're going to be cutting through the jungle and fighting monsters and Mm -hmm. things like that. And I don't want a, there's a game called like fortune and glory. That is that, Mm -hmm. but that's not the game I want because that one is like a dice rolling drawing event cards, kind of luck fest kind of game, which doesn't really resonate with me a ton these days. It, It used to be a kind of game that I was really into, but these days I'm just like, I don't really want to go through that exercise. So I wanted this type of game, which is a very mechanism-driven game, it's right up my alley in terms of that, but I want to just like a little bit more of that theme. So the first time I played it, I remember I played it solo, and and then I kind of said, I'm like, oh, this is an okay game. But it just wasn't meeting my expectations of what I thought it might be based on the size of the board and the scope of the artwork and, yeah. and all of those things. Yep. But once I came to terms with what it was, mm-hmm. and which didn't happen until I played it with a real person, like... And I'm, I want to go back and play the AI some more now that I kind of have played. But it really, the drama more came into its own when I was playing against another person, mm-hmm. which is true with a lot of games. But sometimes the AI does a great job of kind of replicating that. In this case, I'm not sure if I feel like it did for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, once I came to terms with what kind of game it was, I got way more into it. And I instantly was like, oh, this is a really fun game. I still think it is... A really great game, but I'm not sure it's like my favorite game. I'm not sure how many times I would want to play it. Like yeah. I think a couple more plays and I'll probably have seen everything it has to offer. But that's okay. You know, but that's just something to be aware of, I think, because I'm glad I played it. I'm glad I picked it up. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel like I don't feel like this is going on to my shelf as a permanent never leaving my collection type game. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. This definitely feels like one that probably will be a play with my family my nieces and nephews will love it and i'll just be like take it home with you oh yeah yep i feel like that's probably what's going to be happening i could see that yeah because it is a great game like it's a great game to add to anybody's collection but Mm -hmm. um, again it's kind of one i'd be 
just fine with like passing it along and being like, try this game. It's really fun. Yeah. There are other games that I would want to play ahead of it. If I was going to play a game like of this level, I would choose Wingspan or Seven Wonders before playing this. Mm -hmm. But it's fun. Yeah. And I do want to play it. I'll play it a few more times for sure. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I'll probably be okay with uh, moving on. Yeah. And I, I was thinking also about expansions and I was like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know what an expansion could add that would really increase that. Maybe w- add, like maybe some of the stuff we've talked about and add a little bit more of unknownness to yeah. it. Like you draw a card, like maybe the monsters are, you know different in severity yeah or they would have to be truly different though because i i did see somebody who's like oh it'd be great to just get more more monsters more whatever more locations and i'm like but like, they're yeah, but... but they're just like various levels of the same thing they're not truly different so if the yeah. monster is like and and maybe this isn't the game where you could do this but if the monster mm-hmm. is like truly like had a rule on them where like now you are injured and you can't do this or you know yeah i'm not sure if i want that in this game but that would be the le- like if it was just a different pattern of icons that i had to collect and turn in then i'd be like this is functionally identical and i i don't really care about this change so i don't know how they can change it however that being said there is a reverse side of the board oh interesting i didn't even know that oh really (laughs) (laughs) so the reverse side adds a different research track that just changes like the order that you get things it also changes it so you don't both players are not guaranteed to get assistance so there's oh. like assistance placed on the board, I believe, and like the first person to enter that space gets the assistance. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> I don't think I like that. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But that, there definitely is spots for assistance to be placed on the that board. That would be st- that would just like really swing the game. That would. Oh. But maybe just thinking about that, I'm already like, no, again, I don't I haven't, like it. I haven't played it. Maybe it's a stack of assistants, and the first person to gets it gets to pick which gets one they pick. want. I yeah. bet that's how it is. Because I again, I shouldn't even be talking about it. But <laughs> and it also changes the cost. So in right now, it's like everything at the b- bottom is a boot, and then it's like the left side is kind of like the boats, and the right side is like the jeeps or or vice right. versa. Um, but I think that one like changes it up, and airplanes become required. Where right now airplanes are a wild travel that can get you anywhere. The airplanes are actually a required travel icon oh, on that side. So I think where I was saying I've hit a peak where I'm the, I'm the best there's ever going to be. <laughs> and there's just never going to be anyone who plays it better than me. And then that's just like I beat the game. The other side is probably where you go from there where it becomes more difficult. Again, it kind of like sticks you back in the mud a little bit. Once you kind of like get moving out of the mud, mm-hmm. they're like, well, just go right back in the mud. Now it's a little bit harder. It's yeah. a little bit more stodgy. I'm a little more stodgy. Yeah. So uh, I'd be I'm, curious to try that too because once I, you know, if I was playing with like two or three people who have played it a couple times, maybe we'd try that side and, and that would add like a little bit more of that variability. Yeah. I was saying kind of like I would play Seven Wonders or Wingspan over this, but I would still like to play this game again. Yeah. Because, yeah, that first round, the first game I did so well and kicked your butt so completely. <laughs> and then the second game vice it was just the opposite yeah. and you really just like ran circles around me and i would like to try to play it again yeah and, and i think and, we will. and kind of work and and do better do a better job at getting artifacts and buying more of those cards and yeah i i, I would like to try because there is still like the strategic thinking there's a lot of pieces to, that you know you want to get going so I think I would like to play it again. But yeah, once once I get that kind of out of my system, I'll probably be good yeah. for a while. Yeah. 
So that's the Lost Ruins of Arnak. Let's give some final thoughts. I think that the Lost Ruins of Arnak mm -hmm. is a really beautiful game with really cool artwork. And it's actually really fun. And if it sounds like that, like kind of that art style and theme are right up your alley, I would totally recommend going out and playing it and, and picking it up. But it doesn't really... Doesn't blow your mind. It doesn't really blow my mind. I think it's a great <laughs> game that's really solid. It really comes down to like how appealing is the theme and the artwork because I think there's a lot of solid Euro games out there that could kind of fill the same niche that I might recommend first. Yeah. But they're usually a lot drier, like the Castles of Burgundy or something. Yeah. So um, this is kind of a, a fun, colorful take on this kind of like resource conversion type game. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think for me, it was nice because, I mean, it's super manageable. So I think it can be played with younger people or people that are newer to board games. Like each turn... You don't have too many things to keep track of. Mm -hmm. And then I also enjoy that it's strategic. There are multiple things that you can do on your turn. If this way doesn't work, maybe something over on this area will work. You know, like maybe you can't move up the research track right now, but maybe you have enough coins to buy a card. Um, and so I do appreciate that. But I, I do agree with you. I don't know. If it'll be something I, you know, in a couple of years, be like, I really want to play that game. If this is going to be like, I really have a hankering for playing this specific game. But if you like the theme, if you like the artwork, if you're looking for maybe just like one step up, a lighter strategy game, this would be a good one. Yeah, cool. So do we have any ideas for next time? Uh, Did I catch you off guard? A little bit. A I'm little trying to bit. Think. Um, <laughs> how about Rococo? Yeah. <laughs> that's another one where uh, I've heard you talk about it and it's like a really big presence yes but not a big game but the theme of it sounds really interesting where you're like dressing people for a ball yeah your tailors right? who are who are <laughs> creating ball gowns and you need to either rent them or sell them and it's a great game it is the definition of a medium weight euro Cool. So that sounds really interesting because actually I've been watching Bridgerton also mm -hmm. on Netflix and there are lots of balls Ooh. and ball gowns. <laughs> Ooh, <scandalous>. Ooh, balls. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be, be right on theme yeah. for, uh, for what I've been watching. Let's do it. All right. That sounds good. Well, should we shuffle away? Well, you can find us. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. You can find us at Instagram at shuffle underscore buddies underscore pod or twitter shuffle underscore buddies or you can find us on all the places you get podcasts these days yeah chris went through and just added us to all the podcast places yep, we had a couple of requests to be added to a couple of places and i never knew how that worked um they kind of just end up there eventually by people aggregating the apple store but i went ahead and and uh Added us to Pocket Casts. Pocket Casts and Something Stitcher else. Radio. Ooh, and Stitcher. Oh, uh, a bunch of them. And cool. You can go to our website and you can find links to all those places. So awesome. if you have and a podcast app of choice and it's not there, let me know and I will add it. I'll yeah. figure it out. Because our website's at shufflebuddies.com and there's a contact form on there that Chris pays attention to. Yep. yep. The <laughs> contact form is there now. And uh, if you go to the About page, you can see pictures of us. In addition, you can see what we've been playing with this neat little um, board game geek applet that I keep updated. 
Oh, a little the little widget? Yeah, the little widget. I have one of those on my personal website, but it has not been updated in a very long it's time. It's on the Shovel Buddies website, too. Your, oh, mine is. Yeah. Oh. But yours still says Wingspan and Motainai and games we have I mean, we haven't played Wingspan recently, but yeah. yours is a little out of date because you don't track games like I track games. You but are good at that. But thankfully, yours ended. You stopped tracking at a really good point in time where there's some quality games. Like, yeah, because it just shows like your last five played games. Yes. And, and I do have some good ones. And mine goes from like amazing and cool and esoteric and awesome to um, just like whatever we just played whatever online. we played on Board Game Arena, which is just like Sushi Go and Seven Wonders and For Sale. For Sale, yeah. So <laughs> it kind of like you can tell if it's been like a game day or if my game time. Yeah, that so. reminds we should do Motainai. We can do Motainai. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Let's do Rococo next, and then maybe Motainai. Okay, I, that would I, be super fun. Well, I know that's one of your favorite games. It is one of my favorite games. Spoiler. Fun. <laughs> it's going to be another positive review. <laughs> Will it be good or bad? I, <laughs> I think It'll we'll be, probably do more. I think about. we'll do more positive reviews than bad reviews because it's for the most fun. part, I know I'm never buying horrible games. It's true. You're at very the worst, good it, it at will probably games. be a Lost Ruins of Arnak where it's like, that's a great game. I don't know if I need to play it forever. Yeah. And I mean, you know what? Like I can find something good in all games. I think... Or at least like all the games that you buy, at least, <laughs> yeah. you know, like there might be games where I don't, I'm not a huge fan of it, but it's still, it's just fun to play games. I just like know? experimenting with systems. Yeah. I have some games also uh, that, well, we'll talk, we'll talk about it later. Sorry. I know <laughs> we're at the end. <laughs> <laughs> we could just start another yeah. podcast right now. Yeah. But instead, we'll shuffle away. Shuffle, 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 shuffle,